0: One of I had this volunteer architect help me build it, and he really wanted to put in a hammock in there. He said, think about all the space you'll have when you just hook up the hammock. And I said, do you want to sleep in a hammock for three years? And then I said, I know I'm only 30, but, like, I want to have a good back. That's, you know, I don't want to.
1: This is Ordinary Voices, inviting ordinary people into spiritual conversations about life and faith. I'm your host, Eric Elkin. I created this podcast to help me, a pastor, better understand life, and I'm inviting you into the conversation so together we might find expressions of hope. Guests in the show are not authorities. They're simply people willing to share with us the authenticity of their own thoughts. I tried to provide the guests freedom to talk and let them go wherever they might go. And I only ask you to listen, and to listen like a good camp counselor. Good camp counselors allow children to express themselves without judgment. They listen for what the camper is trying to say. People who listen tend to understand each other better, and we live in a world desperate for ears. So let's begin today's show. This is my father's world. Last month, I found myself at Lake Wapagasset Lutheran Bible Camp in Amory, Wisconsin. Okay, it sounds like something out of Garrison Keeler's mind, but this is not an episode of Lake Wobegon. On the first night of the camp, I saw this weird-looking van plastered with advertisements, and it seemed way out of place. So I asked the program director, Luke Alverson, about the van, and that's when Luke introduced me to Micah Meyer. Actually, it was more like, oh yeah, that's uh, Micah's van, he's a former staff member. He's traveling around the country visiting all the national parks it was kind of casual and i was kind of confused i was like what why wait wait a minute that's really cool so confession i'm wildly jealous of micah i always dreamed of doing something like this but never had the nerve to actually do it right away i said i gotta interview this guy as much for me as for you the listener i want to thank micah for agreeing to talk he was tired It was the end of a long day and the end of a long week. and To make this trip work, Micah has to promote, promote, promote. So I was thankful he took the time to speak. Micah Meyer was three months into a three-year journey when I interviewed him. He is attempting to become the youngest person to visit all 412 sites managed by the U.S. National Park Service. He's also trying to become the first person to do it in one continuous trip. Two other things you need to know about Micah. He is a hardcore Lutheran. I mean, I'm a Lutheran pastor, and I didn't even feel as Lutheran as Micah. Micah's whole life, from elementary school to high school graduation, was driven by one single goal, escape Nebraska. He wanted to explore a bigger world. When graduation finally came, he didn't have the money to leave. He stayed and was bitter, like any young man who faces the disappointment of an unfulfilled dream. In the midst of the bitterness, something else happened. Something that would change Micah's life for the rest of his life. His father died at the age of 58. Let's listen to Micah tell us about his father.
0: Pastor. He spent the majority of his career at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln Lutheran Campus Ministry, okay. which at least at one point in my life was the largest Lutheran campus ministry in the country. Right. Um, I think it was in like 95, 94 or 95, he received the Distinguished Service Award, okay. um, basically like the best campus pastor in the country. Um, he was on the roof we were building a house when he heard and he said he almost fell off the roof um, wow. when my older sister came and said dad somebody called and said you got this thing called the distinguished service award and um so i grew up as the pastor's kid at this huge campus ministry which had a pipe organ and an average attendance of like 110 per week right. um which only when i left that did i realize how abnormal that was <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know i went to to college at the University of Memphis. And I went there and I said, where's the Lutheran campus ministry? And they said, what's a Lutheran?
2: (laughs) So was your
0: dad's death uh, a result of an illness? Was it lengthy or was it out of the blue or? No, so he had cancer uh, of the esophagus and had, he got it once about three years before he passed away and then it was gone for uh, a little while, and then it came back, and when it came back, it was like they had done everything they could already, and it was just a matter of time at that point. So, yeah. Only
1: child, other siblings? Uh, youngest, of youngest
0: of four. Youngest of so, four. Okay. Yeah. But I was the only one, so the, the year he passed was the one year I spent in Nebraska. Okay. So I was there for his last year, basically. Huh. Is that hard for you? Uh, it was hard in the sense that I did everything I could in high school to leave Nebraska, and then for financial reasons I was stuck there. I um, spent a lot of time angry at God for that one because it was all three of my sisters were older and had successfully earned their way out of state, okay. and I did everything they did, and I remember thinking, God, I did everything I was supposed to do. I got good grades. I whatever. Like, why am I punished? You know, why am I stuck here? And um, it was only uh, it was four years later. When I was applying to grad school, and I on a bus met a girl who was applying for my same program, who had gone to the college I wanted to go to, and we actually figured out at the admissions day we were in the same group of four who had like a private lesson with a teacher out of you know these hundreds of students. We we were in the same group. And she had gone to that school, and I had gone to Nebraska for a year, got to spend my dad's last year of life with him, and then left for Memphis. And yet we would ended up in the exact same spot. And so that was kind of a moment where I was like, okay, God, I get it. Thank because you. here I ended up hypothetically in the same spot, but I got to spend my dad's final year with him, whereas if I had gone away like I wanted to, I would have been away for his final year of life. So.
1: The transitional moment in Micah's life began with a road trip, a road trip that would both launch his future but also ground him to his past and his identity with his father. If you listen, you will hear Micah doesn't just share a love of driving with his father, he shares his love of ministry. I often found him describing the everyday fabric of life in theological terms.
0: Yeah, so my dad loved road trips. Um, our family, he, we built a house as a family in Florida together, and so we would drive from Nebraska to Florida all the time. And but I say we would drive, I mean he would drive, and he would drive the entire like twenty eight hours straight through himself, like just do it, right? In once in one sitting. And I remember him saying, if he wasn't a pastor, he would have been a trucker, because <laughs> he just loved the open road. And he loved driving, and so. I don't know if that was instilled in me or, or what, but when I when I finished that first year at Nebraska, or two months before I finished, I uh, wanted to go on a road trip. So my best friend and I planned one, and um, we had had it falling apart the whole previous year because my whole life was falling apart. Stuck right. in the city, I didn't want to be in. My dad was dying. I was working nonstop. It was I was I was a horrible person to be around. Right, um, and we had a chance encounter two months before my dad's passing. And I said, hey, let's do a road trip when school ends. And so my dad ended up passing away during finals week. So that road trip ended up being 10 days after his funeral, just already planned coincidence. Right. And I took it in his car, which I had already asked permission for months earlier to use, right. which still smelled like his pipe, had his sunflower seeds in the center console. like. Gosh. So yeah, it was this really, it was this, it was this weird experience of like escaping all that, escaping the death and the everything of home, um, but still in his car, Right. you know, and still with like memories of him. So it was, it was, I guess, a good mix of getting away from everything, but still having some connection to him and his his car and the road trips. Mm-hmm.
1: That bitterness, though, so how long? Did it last until you met that girl and, and it was applying for the same position or did it once you got out of Memphis, did that kind of...
0: No, you know, it's really funny. So I, obviously we are Christians. We talk about resurrection and, you know, it was on that road trip with my best friend that our friendship was resurrected essentially after a year, because we said, you know, this is dumb. We've been friends since, you know, for five years life is short people die when you don't expect them to like why why are we being mean to each other it was mostly me saying right. like i've been a jerk to you like be my right. friend again please right. um, but yeah it was you know here as someone died who believed in the resurrection uh, here was a on earth resurrection happening in a sense yeah in his car afterwards so
1: Ten days after his father's funeral, Micah and his high school friend took off on a road trip. It would be the first of a series of annual trips they would take together. On the road, Micah found a form of healing. I'm not sure he would define it that way, but unlike his last year in Nebraska, on the road, things would just somehow seem to work out. It was magical to a young wounded soul.
0: How long did that road trip last? Just a week. Just a week. Where'd or you go? Um, we went from Lincoln, Nebraska to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Brookings, South Dakota, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, Northfield, of Minnesota, and Rochester, Minnesota. <laughs> Big glamorous locations. Yeah. Hitting right?
1: yeah. all the things. That, did you tell me, did you hit the corn palace or did you, you, you know, avoid that one? <laughs> you
0: know, I think it was just, it was just, you know, a chance to Get away from all the distractions. Everything that had been a been a negative for the past year, and just be in new places, be with someone I cared about, and I don't know. You know, I I talk about the my best friend and I have this thing because we've taken one road trip together every year since then, and we have this thing we call the magic of the road trip, and it's just like weird stuff happens, like good weird stuff happens yeah. on our road trips, and we always just like, duh, it's the magic of the road trip. Yeah. Like, the second year we did it, we were walking to a Twins game, we were in Minneapolis again and we walked out of the parking garage and been fighting about how much it cost to park, we couldn't find anywhere, we had nosebleed seats. Some guy walks up to us and says, are you going to the game? Yes. Hands us seats on the first baseline, like ten rows up, and walks away. Holy cow. Magic of the road trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really can't explain it. It's just like, and it's this weird thing that has followed me, and it's, it's like my little guardian angel, and in moments on road trips when, like, stuff is perilous or confusing, or, like, it just appears. That is incredible.
1: Then in 2011... Micah took his first really radical road trip. Following grad school, where he got a degree in vocal music, he hit the road for a trip that lasted 260 days. He lived on $8,000. It's the trip he calls the dream trip. At six years removed from his father's death, you can hear the father still shaping his son's life.
0: Also, when I did, when I did that 260-day road trip, that was from age 25 to 26, and it was, um, it was by far the happiest I'd ever been in my whole life. Um, I actually, I got to do a Washington Post story with this recent trip launch, and I explained this weird sensation that I would get, it started out happening once a week, then it was once a day, until it was like multiple times a day where it felt like my heart was gonna jump out of my chest. Like it was just, it was like a physical manifestation of joy that I have never experienced since that road trip. But the, the reporter wrote about it and some cardiologist contacted her and said, I'm really worried about Micah. Before he hits the road, he should have his heart checked if it's doing this. Um, on, that, on that last trip, what I call my dream road trip, the 25 to 26 year old one. Um, I was just so happy and I thought, this is what living is, you know, this is why, why go and do other stuff that if this is what's possible. Uh Um, And so I just kind of looked at the math and I thought, you know, my dad was 58 when he died. Uh, Maybe I won't make it to retirement. Because I felt like I had spent a year, like I felt like I had done what a retired person would do. I had visited all my friends, I went to all the places I thought I wanted to see, um, like you would do in retirement, I guess.
1: Right.
0: And so I thought, well, what if I die before retirement? Like, I don't want to miss out on this. So I figured if I made it a goal to do something big, something epic, like you would do in retirement every five years, then if I died at 58, like my dad, I will have had seven years of retirement feel
1: like I didn't miss out. I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. If you find it provides you a healthy challenge to grow, share it with a friend. If it helps you find hope in life, please share it with a friend. I need your help to keep this conversation going. There's one thing you could do to help. It is this one thing. Share this with a friend. (laughs) Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Pin it up on Pinterest. Your words of recommendation carry more weight than mine. You can go to the website, ordinaryvoices.org, ordinaryvoices.org, to find other shows and to sign up for the daily devotions. Judging from the feedback I get, people are hungry for a spiritual conversation, so you won't be disappointing them by sharing this. Remember, sharing is caring. This is a listener-supported show, so if you enjoy it, please consider financially supporting it by clicking the Donate button on the website. Thank you again for listening. Now let's return to Micah. Micah explains the birth of the U.S. National Park-themed trip, and I think I hear the magic of the road trip surfacing once again.
0: I feel like it was destiny. I feel like it was, it's beyond me. Which is, and when times are tough, I try to remember that. Because my initial thought, when I was 28, I thought, okay, 30's coming up, it's time to buck up or shut up, mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? And I thought, well, where, where do I wanna go if it's not all about having a friend's place to stay at for free, if, if my housing is not a limiting factor. And I remembered I'd gone to a few national parks, and actually my college campus pastor had said it was his goal to go to all 59 national parks. And so I thought, okay, I want to do that too. I want to go to all 59 national parks. So I did some research, and I found out that there are more than 59. The National Park Service actually administers 412 sites, and in many cases, it's just politics that keeps something from being named a national park versus a national monument because Congress has to designate a national park. The president through the Antiquities Act can designate something like a monument. Okay. So Acadia National Park, which many people call one of the most beautiful national parks, was actually a monument first because Congress wouldn't create it. Right. And so I look at these things that just have different names that people think must be lame, and I thought, well, I don't want to miss out on those. They obviously are interesting for some reason, just because some Congress didn't want to designate it whatever. Right. And then at the same time I found out that 2016, the year I was turning 30, also just coincidentally was the 100th anniversary of the National Parks Act. And then when I did the math and I thought, well this is how many days, coincidentally the, one, of the, one of the 30-some people who has been to all these units lived five miles east of me. Oh really? And so I got in touch with him and he sat down with me one night and we went through a spreadsheet of all 412 units and by memory he told me the ideal amount of days i would want to spend at each and because he had spent one month for the past 33 years visiting the national park so it's 33 months which is basically 36 months which is basically three years right and so then it, i was thinking april 29 2016 to april 29 2019 and then i found out may 19 2019 is the 100th anniversary of the national parks conservation association which is a nonprofit that works in ways that a Government organization can't uh, to support the parks, and so I talked to them, and they said, "Well, could you end on that day?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Sure, 20 extra days, whatever." You know, right, right? And so it just all these all these weird things that you know people would call coincidences that I, I think, as a person of faith, as a person who has been studying music and pursuing music jobs for the past decade, and saying, you know getting to the point where I stopped asking God to get the job and just saying, God, put me where I'm supposed to be, whether that's option A, B, C, or through Z, and slowly accepting that as those jobs didn't happen and didn't happen and other things happened, that maybe God was telling me to live out of a van for three years. Who knows? You know, he sent Jonah to Nineveh in a whale, so like... In a cargo van, I'm not doing that bad. I've at least got air conditioning, (laughs) you know? Yeah, so the idea, I launched from the Washington Monument, knowing that I wanted to finish at the Lincoln Memorial, just across the reflecting reflecting pool. So it'll be, you know, climbing up the stairs like Rocky, but also this idea of being able to reach the top of the stairs and turn around and look at the monument and remember how far I've come. Okay. Um, and I was living there at the time. The goal was to launch on April 29th, which was the 11th anniversary of my dad's passing, okay. to take a day that's been horrible for 11 years and turn it into something triumphant, into not a, maybe not a celebration, but something that isn't just sad. Redefined it. Exactly. You know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Micah has a dream, a vision, and a purpose. It will help him endure what will be a grueling trip. A friend helped him convert the van into a sleeping unit with a small kitchenette. There is no air conditioning, and it doesn't exactly handle like a sports car. But Micah is not alone. He has invited a friend, Andy, to take the trip with him. Andy is really flying blind into this adventure. So I asked what was intended, not to be an uncomfortable question, but really was.
2: So
0: is, is Andy with you for the whole trip? I don't know. Okay. Um, we met uh, only in February. Okay. I just kind of said I'm here till June. Um, you know, we can see where this goes, and June's a long time, you right. know, that was, that was March 1st, and I said, that's two and a half months, you know, like, who knows?
2: Right.
0: And, um, you know, like I said, sometimes it feels like destiny, and it just, he was finishing grad school, the job that he was pursuing didn't pan out, he found a job that allowed him to work remotely. I said, I ha- have to pay for the gas, I have to pay for the camp fees, I have to pay for the interest You I have to pay for everything. The only thing I don't have to pay for if you come is your food so you can figure out a way to pay for your food come along people said so this is basically like moving in with someone you're dating and I said no that's exactly what it is plus we're working together right you know you think you move in with your significant other you still get to go to work every day and, and leave them right um, we don't have that right you know it's it's non-stop togetherness
1: when Micah started talking about this I felt really really bad he and Andy were going to just relax and walk around the camp that evening take it easy find a little break and I asked for an interview but now the trip is more than a dream and a vision and a purpose it's an experiment into the dynamics of a relationship and there is no vacation
0: I think the biggest misconception about my trip is that it's a giant vacation. Right. And I, when I think of vacations, I think of relaxation times. So you don't worry about the time. It's all about de stressing. And this has been the most stressful, not the most stressful, but the most mind engaging experience of my life. You know, it's nonstop from wake up to bedtime. My mind is busy. Even if it's, we're relaxing, it's, you know, has he been relaxing for eight hours and I've been relaxing for three, he's probably really bored we should go.
1: With your significant other, it's nice to kind of get away. It's I don't care who it is.
0: yeah. Any kind of friendship, any kind of partnership, anything. It's nice to get away every once in a while. And we talked about that. You know, we've only been on the road now for two months, and we've talked about, we've slowly evolved to learn about, like, we should plan time apart. You know, like we're, I'll see you in three hours, I'm gonna to go to the side of the mall, you do whatever you want, I don't know, right. you know? Or he's going home for a few weeks to visit his mom, and so, just time. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know, I have to give him credit for not only putting his life, his dreams, his professional dreams on pause, but for just taking a leap into the unknown.
1: So now the dynamics are completely different than Micah's dream trip. All of a sudden, I'm not so jealous. This sounds like work. Physical, social, emotional, I wonder how Micah is seeing it. Is he finding the same joy that led a doctor to recommend a heart exam? So do you find that joy that you found in
0: that 260 trip or is it? I haven't found it yet. I think part of that joy came from being carefree, came from being Mm obligation-free. My sole goal was to not run out of money and visit all my friends. Mm -hmm. So basically my job for that nine months was to spend time with people I cared about. I mean, It's hard. It's hard not to be happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I got to choose. I got to choose who, you know. I didn't have to go see that that aunt who wants to talk about awkward things. You know, it's like I got to choose, (laughs) which I did. I did go see because it was important to me. Because they were old, and you know, having lost my dad, I thought I might never see you again. Right. Um, But it was just. I remember. I thinking. I I have no boss to answer to. I have no. No community who knows me as one way, who will judge me for one thing. I answer only to myself. And it was the most freeing feeling in the world, just to not have to worry what other people thought. I wish that everyone could experience that sensation of not having to worry about what other people think. Because coming back from the trip, I realized how much of that we deal with on a daily basis.
1: All the time. Micah strikes a deep chord into our soul, the freedom of not having to worry what other people think. How many of you dream of that experience? We can't take a 260 day road trip visiting friends and family who care. So where can you go to find the freedom and joy of not having to worry what people think? You have an answer, please let me know because I want to go there.
0: I am one of my former co-workers in boarding school, she was an English teacher and she texted me, and you know, everyone usually says, how is the trip going? And she wrote me she said, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I said, is there a word, is there an English word that means stressful and blissful at the same time, or do I need to go to German for that? <laughs> and she wrote back and she said, stressed and blissful. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and from a Lutheran standpoint, when I think think of the theology of the cross, we are sinners and saints, it's kind of the same thing. It's like I am stressed out of my mind and blissed out of my mind because um, it is, it's a lot of work. You know, I've decided to try to, to, I wrote a book about that first trip that I've done and I found out that basically nobody wants to buy memoirs unless you're famous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to use this trip to help sell that book, to grow my name as a writer, as a travel personality, and so it's, it's a lot of pressure I put on myself to do a good job because mm-hmm. it's not, there's no boss telling me to write this article for him or her. There's no, um, no employer saying or professor saying it needs to hit these marks and you get an A. It's all my own pressure. So it's a lot of work um, to, to put out a product that I'm proud of that also shares this experience with the world because the national park organizations found out about my trip and they said well you know you're half the age of our normal visitors so the more you can share your story with millennials that'll help us Hmm. and we have a hard time attracting the lgbt community so the more you can tell your story to that community that'll help us right and so it's just like one more layer of like do a good job for them right you know do a good job for these people who expect you to reach people who they haven't been able to reach. (laughs) No pressure. I know, no pressure. You know, Andy said to me, as I was starting this, he said, you feel so much pressure to make everything you write have some sort of meaning. Why? And I was thinking about it, and, and I remember my dad saying when he was a campus pastor that he would always tell his interns, when these students come, when they come to church on a Sunday morning, this might be the one Sunday morning of their four years of college that everything fell apart and that they decided to go to church for the first time because mom and dad aren't there to make them go. They might not have gone at all, but when everything, for whatever reason, got them into that pew, and if you don't have a good gospel message in your sermon, and you don't reach them on your. That might be your one chance. Right. Right. And I. And the more I thought about that, I thought I must be feeling the same pressure. Right. You know, like if this is the one blog that someone reads, I need them to find some sort of meaning from this. It can't just be here is something pretty, here is something historical. Bye. Right. And so. As I write, I find that I'm always looking for another meaning, a deeper meaning right. in right. whatever it is. Right. Right. And I, and I, the more I think about that, the more I think that has to do with being a pastor's kid <laughs> and just and, and that idea of when you speak to people, when you take their time to hear your words, you better tell them something with a good news message. Right. On one
1: hand, Micah's insights are a profound testimony to his father. But on the other hand, I'm awed by a young man who understands each conversation. Each written communication is that one opportunity to share the good news. You are God's and you are loved. And a willingness to communicate that in a variety of ways. Again, how many of you listening yearn to hear that message? That is the great hope in life. Micah is so concerned with how he is communicating, how he is representing, how he is coping with the trip, how he is managing his relationship with Andy. It led me to ask, do you find time for spiritual reflection and renewal? No, is the,
0: is the honest answer. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I've worked for two Lutheran churches, two Presbyterian churches, two Methodist churches, two Episcopalian churches, and then a Catholic school. And so basically since age 19, church has been my job. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been at church every Sunday, but it's always been work. It's always been, are you singing next? Are you, you know, whatever. And and I heard friends who talked about, oh, well, you know, I don't go to church, but I like to go skiing and put on my headphones and put on music. And that's my church I'm thinking like what a bunch of baloney yeah. and now now that I'm not working at a church and I'm constantly on the road I find I find church in moments like that not directly more indirectly usually um, you know I'm here at Camp Wapagossett because it was a place that was Formational in my faith and so I wanted to come here to get a bit of that on the road right. and so You know getting to go to church every so often when we're in a city with one and it's a Sunday and the timing works is nice yeah. But um, mostly no, it's hard. right You've woven a gospel
1: message into just about every answer that you have, okay? Guilty Yeah.
0: Guilty. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting. i put uh, extra pressure on you too now. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, there's a quote from St. Francis of Assisi, and I'm sure it's been translated and mixed up in different ways, but basically the version I like the most is preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. You know, as you said that, it, as you said what you just said, it made me think about, you know, growing up as the gay son of a very well-known Lutheran campus pastor and taking a lot of time myself to reconcile that Once I did, I felt an immense responsibility to help other people because I thought I had been fortunate to where, you know, 99% of my friends who grew up Christian who eventually came out also left the church Mm -hmm. because the church told them, we don't want you. Mm -hmm. And so I was very fortunate that I was in a situation where mostly once I came out, the church said, we still want you. And Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a result of who my dad was or just being Lutheran or who I surrounded myself with, I don't know. Right. But so I, I felt an immense responsibility to, to be an example for people who think they can't be both. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Christians who think you can't be gay, or gay people who think you can't be Christian. And so, in DC, actually on my last road trip, I had such a hard time. All I wanted to do was meet other gay Christians my own age. Right. And everywhere I went, I would say, where's the gay church in town? And I would go, and every, all the gay people I met were 40 years old or older. older. Mm-hmm. Nobody was my own age. So when I moved to D.C., I said, I want to start my own group. If I can't find the gay Christians, I'll bring them to me. Right. And so I started this group called Queer for Christ. And when I left D.C., we had over 350 members. And were the world's largest in-person LGBT ecumenical Christian group. Holy cow. But for me, what I always felt was this pressure of, like, you know, just through, my, just through who I am, because people say that I don't exist, that I can't exist, that I'm an oxymoron, needing to, without preaching at people, show them. So someone who's never met a gay Christian, how can I be myself, confidently, knowing who I am and whose I am, my dad would say, in a way that doesn't force them to change any theology they have, or slam this Bible interpretation down their throat, but just say, this is who I am. You might not have ever seen this before, so let me be who I am and be in your presence.
1: Where do I begin with this last clip? Micah says so many powerful, insightful, and meaningful things, but the thing that caught me most were the words of his father breathing through Micah's own thoughts. Micah feels a responsibility to reach out in and with Christ to those who feel abandoned, exiled, and useless. I read a blog from a young man who was spiritually formed by Micah's father, Pastor Larry Meyer. He wrote about a simple coat rack Pastor Larry had built and given him. The author recalled how Pastor Larry would hold up scraps of wood and say, these aren't useless pieces of wood. These will become a coat rack. Then he would follow it up with, you aren't a useless person. God gave you gifts that He wants you to use, and I'm going to help you discover what they are. In a room filled with scraps of wood, Michael was continuing the art of building coat racks.
0: Which, which with this community, is the most interesting thing, because people will come and they would say, well, I can't tell my gay friends I'm Christian, and I can't tell my Christian friends I'm gay. And one of the members of our group is is an ordained minister at an affirming church and he said the difference there's a big difference between being accepted and being part of the norm. Mm-hmm. And so even he said is that he feels a different way when he comes to our group because he doesn't have to explain anything, right? He can speak openly about both parts of himself and it's just understood. Yeah. And so it's you know, I think a lot about that. Our our quote ministry you could call it. We didn't, we didn't have anything formal grew so fast and we talked about why it worked and we, we had every single christian anything and we even had friends where we had people who would come and they would say can i keep coming back i don't believe in god but you're the nicest group of people i've met in washington <laughs> dc and i said of course come back please and but the more i thought about it you know everyone there was hungering for a community a community that they weren't finding anywhere else and And I think it's the same here at Camp Wapagasit for the youth that come here, and especially for the counselors, is, you know, a lot of counselors don't have that many people their own age in their church, and then they come here and suddenly you're with 30 to 40 peers who, you know, are are followers and who you have a sense of community. And at least for me, that was really where I grew in my faith was. I think the most perfect analogy coming here was We've just been in North Dakota and it was relentlessly windy. I mean it was just windy nonstop. Um, driving was difficult. Hiking was nice because it was there was always a breeze, but it was just nonstop windy and and then I came here to Wapo today and the air has been so still and so peaceful and the weather has been you know, it's like seventy seven degrees with a lake breeze. Yeah. And it was just so such an example of what this place has been for me. It's like you come from the storm and, and it's been this place of peace. And it was just incredible to walk around here today and feel that physically.
1: Micah is reaching out to an exiled community to remind them they have not been exiled by God. It made me think of all the people who in one way or another feel exiled, people who struggle to feel a part of the norm. These thoughts turn my attention to the prophet Isaiah, who speaks words of comfort to the exiles in chapter 43. Thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Do not fear, for I am with you. This promise goes out to Micah and Andy as they travel, and I send it out to you as well to remind you, God, who is your Redeemer, will do whatever it takes to get you home.
2: This is my father's world And to my listening ears All oh, nature sings And round me rings The music of the sphere This is my father's world I rest me in the thought. Of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, hand the wonder is
1: That's our show. I want to thank Micah for sharing and thank you for listening. I'm working my way through a couple of different interviews, so I'm not really sure what my next show will be. Well, we'll call it the mystery show. Until then, please remember to help me invite more people into the conversation. Check out the website, OrdinaryVoices.org, OrdinaryVoices.org. Sign up for the Daily Devotions. This is a listener-supported show, so please consider supporting it. And let's help Micah make it home. Visit tbcmica.com, tbcmikah.com, and donate cold, hard cash to his adventure. Also, he writes a really interesting blog about each place he visits. It's really interesting. So go to tbcmica.com. On behalf of all ordinary voices, thanks for listening.